to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Folks, I hope you made those, those declarations and as, you de- and as you declared that, you know, it is, it is such a, 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 a powerful prayer that we just, that we just prayed. It's, it's truth. It's, it's truth that as we continue to declare, causes something to develop deep within. It brings us, it's like, you know, when the word of the Lord says line upon line, you know, precept upon precept. So this is, this is what it is as we, as we begin to articulate this and as we make these, uh, these declarations. You know, this, this morning, I want to quickly um, share the word of the Lord this morning with you. And um, the last part of our, of our series reintroducing Jesus. So it's a seven-part series. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to, and if you're just joining us this week or last week, and if you've not had a chance to go through or to um, um, listen to the um, six other messages, please note that they are on our website or they are on our YouTube, uh, kccc.tv. And uh, hallelujah. We've had now 100 subscribers, maybe more. And so now we've got our own channel. So uh, all of you that are part of the Casey City Church community, how about saying an amen to that? Amen. 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 That's, that's amazing. We want to thank you so much for really just jumping on board. And for those of you who may not be part of our community, but you've decided to subscribe, we really want to thank you for that as well. And the more that we can have, the, the better it is for us. Amen. So, so coming back to this part seven, this is the seventh um, uh, a week that we're that we're doing this, and so part seven, which is our final final message of our series, reintroducing Jesus. Now, wh- why did why did I choose reintroducing Jesus? Now, there are some thoughts that I just want to potentially lay before you and maybe remind us this morning. Now, you know, so often many of us know about Christ, but, you know, the context of actually really knowing him that even Paul talks about, um, and, uh, and, and even Jesus talks about, it is this, this whole sense of uh, intimacy and intimate knowledge and intimate experience of really knowing who, who Jesus is. And, and that's the aspect that I want to... Uh, 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 I want, to, I want to put before you, you know, so to reintroduce him means, hey, Jesus, I want, to, I want to get to know you again. I want to get to know things that I've heard about. Maybe it's been a vicarious sort of a relationship, meaning you've heard so much about him through your mom, through your dad, through others, through your leaders, but he's now inviting you and I into a place where he's saying, come on, get to know me. Get to know me because I want to know you, because I know you. You are made in my image. That's, that's that awesome aspect. And that's where he wants to invite you and I into, to take us further and deeper into the places that he has in store for us. And, and, and you and I may have experienced parts of it, but he, he doesn't want us just to have a, a 60% experience, maybe a 90% experience, because it's still 10% short. He wants us to have this 
this 100% experience with Him because He can. And you and I can have that experience. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I hope you're getting excited about the fact that Jesus is inviting us into a place of deep communion. And the more we get to know him, the more we understand who he is, the better it is for us. You know, I've, I've shared this, this story with our, with our community, and you may have heard it, but I want to share, share it again. It's a story of, a, of, uh, of uh, this um, professional singer that sang the song, The Lord is My Shepherd, from uh, the 23rd Psalm. And as he began to sing, sing it, rather, at this uh, amazing concert, um, uh, many, many applauded, and um, and and there was a real, uh, you know, rousing applause and all of that. And 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 after the performance, so at the end of that performance, uh, this this older gentleman walked up to him and said, "Son, can I sing? Can I sing this song?" And and the the performer was a little bit uh, surprised and was wondering why, but he thought, well, you know, wouldn't hurt. So anyway, he handed it over to him and uh, introduced him and said, "Go for it," you know, that sort of a thing. And the and the older gentleman sang, and you know, it wasn't was raspy. It wasn't as as great sounding as the professional singer sang. But there was one stark difference at the end of that performance. And that was, that was simply this, that the performer and several of the people there that were present there, they were on their knees, some were crying, some were, I mean, something happened that day when this older gentleman sang. And so the performer went up to him and he said, sir, addressed him as, sir, sir, what's this? And he turned to this performer and he said, son, you may know the song, but I know the shepherd. And that's what I'm talking about. It's this intimate aspect. So many of us know about him and we know certain promises about him, but do we absolutely know him? So that's the, that's the, uh, the reason behind this whole series of reintroducing Jesus. You know, uh, there could be some of you, maybe you're scanning Jesus. You know, you're, you're looking at him from, from afar and, and you're wondering now, should I, should I, should I not? And so as you scan and as you begin to try and encounter who this Jesus is, we pray that, that he's going to come to you in, an, in, in a powerful way. He's going to come to you in an, in, in an intimate way. And you know, friends, this is all part also of our theme for this year, which is to re-engage the gospel. That's what we are. That's what our theme this year, this year is, to re-engage the gospel. So the seven I am's of Christ, or we, uh, I term it as the seven declarations of Jesus, how he, how he refers to himself as, this is who I am. This is, this is who I am. And, uh, and so in, in this whole context of re-engaging the, re-engaging the gospel, we want, we're going to look at various themes in the gospels to better understand what it means to really know Christ. And you're, you, you might be probably wondering why. Now in John chapter 20 verse 31, it best sums up this way. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. 
Amen. That you will have life by the power of his name. Isn't that, isn't that awesome to know that we can have life by the power of his name? So today we want to look at the final declaration. And what's, tell me, what do you think the final declaration is? Come on, I can't hear you. Type it in. What's, what do you think is the final declaration? It is this from John chapter 14, verse 6, and it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's that declaration that he, that he makes. Hallelujah. So let's turn to John chapter 14, and let's read from verse 1 right through verse 6. And it starts off with this, and he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's, ha- father's home. If there were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to, and you know the way to where I am going. And in verse 5, it says, this, No, we don't know, Lord Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's that gatekeeper. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, bless the reading of this word, Father, and we just want to thank you that you will just anoint this message, Lord, and bring a release in the hearts and the lives of each and every one that has given their year to uh, hearing your word today, Lord. We thank you and we bless you and we release the peace of God and we release your anointing upon them too in Jesus' name. Now, the context of, of this let me give you the context of, this, of, uh, of these verses and when did he actually say this. Now, this is probably one of the most uh, well-known and most controversial statements that Jesus uh, made during his time here on earth. He's not only speaking words of comfort and compassion. He's actually speaking words now that calls for you and I to make a decision and for the disciples to actually make a decision. He's drawing a line in the sand and he's saying now it's time for you to make a choice, right? You have been following me now for these three years and you have seen me do many things. You have heard me uh, teach in various contexts, but today, today, he's turning up the commitment thermostat. And he's setting a bar and he's saying this. This is a message to us as well. Now, you may have been curious. And if you've, and, and if you've uh, heard my series on moving from curious to um, um, being convinced to being committed, uh, the, the context of the journey of a follower to become a disciple. So you may have been curious when when you started following me, right? And you have become now convinced because you've seen me perform all of these miracles. But now what will it take now for you to commit and to draw the line in the sand? Now the exclusive claim that he makes is when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not someone else, but I am the way. 
So the scene here is this, that this conversation happened right when... and on the last night before the crucifixion, during the Passover meal. Now, before this, Jesus had washed the feet of the disciples, right? predicted his betrayal by Judas, predicted his denial by Peter, and told the disciples he would soon be going away. In jo- You'll find this in John chapter 13. Now, all of this prompted now the question about where Jesus was going and why it was that they couldn't follow with him. Why was it that they couldn't follow with him? Now, you know, when you're about to go on a long-distance trip, what happens? You immediately get out your GPS, and then you put in your your directions and all of that in order to find the fastest uh, route to that direction. So you, you have the address, right, in that sense. So you know the length of time, and you know the destination. So Thomas here is actually virtually asking that. He's saying, Jesus, can you give me the address to where you're heading? Give me the address so that I can get there as well, right? Now, the answer that Jesus then gives them is really an anchoring statement, right? You know, of late, I've been, uh, I've, I've been sharing quite a bit about buoyancy and the need for us to be spiritually buoyant, amen? In times like this, the importance for us to be spiritually buoyant. So, so Jesus responds to Thomas now by giving him a compass. So, and the compass is this, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's the compass. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right now, the, the word I am, just that statement, I am in itself. I am is, it, it, it implies the almighty, of course, it implies the pre-existed one. I've existed before Abraham. And that was important for them to hear that because they go back to their father, Abraham, right? So he says this. Now, it's a very powerful name. In fact, I believe that it's one of, one of his favorite names. Um, I think there are about 7,000 mentions of that in the Old Testament, and about 1,000, I believe, in the New Testament, right? Now, it's, it's such a powerful name that, that it implies power and authority. And if you turn with me to uh, John chapter 18, verse 4 to 6, it says this, Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Now Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And in verse 6, it says this, And Jesus said, I am he. And watch what happens. They all draw back and fell to the ground. So imagine the power in that statement when he says, I am he. Right? That power. And he comes to you and he says that to you, I am he. So imagine the power and the authority now that comes with that. He is your Christ. He is your savior. He is your friend. Right? He's the one who's paved the way for you and I. He's the one that we celebrated about last week that he rose from the dead. Amen? So he's that one. And he's there with you. How awesome is that? So their compass in their journey forward uh, is really important. And it is, it, is, it is these three words, these three things, remembering that these three things, the way, the truth, and the life. So he makes this definitive statement before he goes to the cross he is actually bringing his bringing his time with them for the 
three years and all of what they've witnessed, and, and it culminates in this one statement. Why? Why do you think so? Right? Why is he creating this scenario that is now so difficult for them to understand at this point in time? Just before he goes now, he's creating this difficult setting. And we want to answer all of that today. So pay, pay attention, my friends. Pay attention today. You know, and I hope you're sitting at the edge of your, uh, at the edge of your seat because this is really ex- uh, uh, this is exciting to know what the Lord is doing through, through, through all of these I am, I am statements. You see, he knows what is about to happen to him. And if they can't come to terms with that, this is what he's saying, if they can't come to terms with what is about to happen to him, uh, and, 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 if they, and if they don't make these critical choices right now about him being the way, him being the truth, and him being the life, if they don't make those choices right now, that's going to have a huge Im- impact on them, right? Because do you know what? If they don't make that decision now, what's going to then happen is this fear will set in and create all sorts of negative and unfruitful responses. And you know that happened. It happened to Peter, right? You've seen fear come in. Now, fear ingested affects our biology. So when you ingest fear, when you take fear in, it affects you. It affects you physically. So what's fear doing to you this morning? Are you you, uh, buckled under fear? You know, is there, is there the aspect of your future that you're fearful about? And he wants to tell you this, friend. He is the way, the truth, and the life to you, right to you. Amen? You know, he says that now as long as they realize that he is their way forward and that he is their truth, that will eliminate confusion and he is their life source that will keep them buoyant. So then he knows that he can entrust them with the keys to the kingdom. When he becomes the way, the truth, and the life, then they will be, they will be able to do greater things than, he, than, than even he did because he goes to the Father. Right? So let's look at our... The, the, the very first point that I want to bring to you this morning is this. The very first statement in verse 1 in chapter 14. And what is that? He says this. He, he, he firstly responds to them and he says this. Oh, before he makes the declaration, he shares this aspect. Before he says, I'm the way to make this exclusive statement here. Before he asks them to draw a line, he says this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And this is powerful here, right? If you believe in God, believe also in me, right? It says, don't worry or surrender to fear. For you've believed in God. Now trust and believe in me also. The Passion Version says that. Don't worry or surrender to fear. For for you've believed in God. Now trust and believe also in me. So he's equating himself to the Father here. Because they believed in Yahweh. Now he begins to say that if you believe in God, believe also in me. So he's bringing himself up to a point where he's introducing himself as I and the Father are one. 
right? Now you believe in God, absolutely. Believe also in me. Have the same trust in me, not less, but the same. Making himself equal to God. Hallelujah. Now, aren't these words pertinent to us in these challenging times, in this season? Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Today, more than any time in our lives, we need to hear these words again and again and again and again. Don't let your heart be troubled, friends. Don't let your heart be troubled. Take control of it. How? How do you take control? Now, I'm glad that you asked this question. In, in today's text, in verse 1 and in verse 11, that's, that's what I call the great sandwich. It's what I call the trust sandwich because the ingredients of what is found in the in-between, right? There are ingredients in the in-between. And, and what does verse 1 and verse 11 say? It says, take time. Obviously, take time to read these verses and allow them to sink further in it because it will help you dispel fear, anxiety, worry that can, be, that can become fairly paralyzing in that sense. Right now, verse 1 says this, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. And then verse 11, it says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on accounts of the works themselves. So both, it's, it's sandwiched between both these aspects of believing God, trusting God, having faith in God. So you can see what he's really after, and which is this, he's after belief, he's after faith, right? And, 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 and this, is, this is the opposite to our hearts being troubled. So when our hearts become troubled, the reason it becomes troubled is because faith probably has, you know, ebbed away. Maybe my belief has suddenly been challenged and I'm, and, and I, can I really trust him? Can I, can it really, is God really in control of this? You know, I know I've asked that question. You know, I've asked the question, what do we do now, Lord? You know, in our own personal circumstance, you know, we're looking at building a home and all of that. And, and now, now what, what happens? Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? And I thank God that in this chapter it says that he has taken care of all of that. He has taken care of all of that. And in verse 1 it says, don't be troubled. Trust me. Trust God. And twice in verse 11 he says, believe me, believe Trusting Jesus for who he really is and trusting God are one and the same. Trusting Jesus for who he really is and trusting God the Father are one and the same. In John chapter 12 verse 44 you'll see that. So Jesus shouted out to the crowds, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me but also God who sent me. Right? Also God who sends me. Now, the emphasis here, again, is this. Don't be troubled. Trust me. And in trusting me, you trust God. So let me give you three reasons this morning. And we'll bring our message to a closure as we look at these three reasons here. The first one is this. He says this. My father's house is big enough. You know, now with us all having to stay home, is our house big enough to accommodate our entire family? I mean, there are six in our family, right? So from our perspective, is our home big enough? Well, thankfully that 
you know, God is, what God is building or what God has built is way bigger to accommodate any, any number of us. So that's the first thing that he says. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything else, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And that's, that again is another powerful declaration there, right? That you will always be with me where I am. So he says here now that there is more than enough room in my father's, in, excuse me, in my father's house and it will never run out, right? So disciples, don't be troubled. Peter, don't be troubled. Despite what is about to happen and the uncertainty about the future that, that you are now sensing, just trust me. Just trust me. I've got it covered. Right? There is more than enough room, but more importantly, there is a place for you. Amen. Right? I go to prepare this for you. Right? I go to prepare this for you. So the motivation to trust you is based on one. The, the, the first thing is this, that this is God's house. It's not some Airbnb, not some, not some hotel, not some temporary accommodation, right? That we will live with him in his house, right? Second, it is large. It is humongous. We'll never run out of room. I rem remember in... You know, years and years ago, I think when, when I first accepted the Lord, there was this song that we used to sing, I think, um, this mansion, mansion over the hilltop or something along those lines, you know, that he has a mansion, he has a mansion for us. And I've always pictured this, that, he, that everything is just so big and so large in, so large in God. And the third aspect is this, that there is room designed for each of you, for each of us, if you trust him. Right? So he's saying that despite our flaws, don't let fear or anxiety rise in your heart, friends. Trust Jesus. So don't let it rise, but begin to trust. Trust God. You will have a place in his house. To, to, in, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, To as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the children of God. Again, to as many as received him, he, to them he gave power to become the children of God. Isn't that, doesn't that uh, promise receive an amen? Hallelujah. Come on, declare that this morning an amen. And then he says this, I go to prepare a place for you. What does that mean, friends? Does it mean that he's going to heaven to do some renovation? Does it mean that he's going up to heaven to do some, to tidy up the place and so on and so forth so that when the guests come in, it'll all be neat and tidy? Of course, you and I know that it ain't that. It's not that, right? So God has designed this dwelling for you and I. Even whilst we were sinners, he had already designed this, right? From before the creation of the world, this was already planned. It's not one of those, oopsie, let me now go. And, and, and because these guys are, hadn't got the act together, let me now go and make this happen. No, he's, he's already had all of this prepared and planned. So what is happening right now? The virus that is going on, you mean to say he is not in total knowledge of this? He is in control of it. He's in, and he wants us to come into that place where we will understand what it means for him to have this in control, right? For him to have control of this so that we begin to figure this out with him. 
right? And that's, that's, that's awesome. That's an, that's an amazing thing. So what is not yet ready? What is not yet prepared? It's this. It's the way. He has to prepare the way for you and I. That's, that's the preparation that he's alluding to, right? To get your room in God's presence complete, he is going to get for you your certificate of occupancy. That's what he's going to get for you. Amen. He's going to get that certificate for you so that you can just move in. Hallelujah. When it says it's time to move in, you just move in, right? Now, one of... One of, the, one of these Bible scholars puts it this way, right? The reason why he has what this implies that it is not yet prepared is because sin has not been atoned for. And Jesus is the Lamb of God about to be, about to be slain. John chapter 1 verse 29 and verse 36, right? The anger of God... The condemnation upon us. Jesus is about to become a curse for us in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Right? And, and for him to bear our condemnation in Romans chapter 8 verse 13. Please look at these verses when you get an opportunity to. And for him to endure the bruising of the Father in Isaiah 53 verse 10. Death is yet to be defeated and Jesus is about to give his life and take it back again from the jaws of death in John chapter 10 verse 18. He says this, I freely laid down and I take it back again. So anything standing between us and the room in my father's house is about to be removed in the next three days. And we celebrated that last Sunday. I think Jesus confirms his thinking this way in verses 4 to 6. And he says, And you know the way to where I'm going. And, and Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in other words, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And as I go, I become the way that you get there. I am the truth that you hold on to in order to get there. And I am the life, that abundant life, that eternal life that you will enjoy when you get there. Amen. So when I say I go to prepare a place for you, I mean I open the way and I am the way. I confirm the truth and I am the truth. I purchase the life and I am that life. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So in other words, Peter and the other disciples and you and I, we don't need to have fear or anxiety lodged in us that tries to remind us that we are imperfect, that we are unworthy followers of Jesus Christ. Our sin is not counted against us and doesn't mean that our place in God's household will be unavailable. You know, we've not been given an eviction notice, folks, and that we are un or that we are unsuitable. Jesus, this very night, goes to purchase our forgiveness and he becomes the way of the way to the Father. So let not your hearts be troubled. He says, trust in me. But that is not it. Right? He means, that's, that's, that's not all what he means, right? 
when he says, I go to prepare a place for you. The, 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 this next argument for why we should trust Jesus explains another meaning. There is, a, there, there is the second sense in which, in, 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 in which things are not yet ready as Jesus speaks, right? He must be your living dwelling place. That's my point number two. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Now, I think this is one of the most important phrases in this passage that I will take you to myself. It shifts now the focus from place to person. Amen? From place to person. So where Jesus is, there is heaven. There is heaven. Where Jesus is, you know that song, your presence is heaven to me. Your presence is heaven to me. What is the essence of heaven? The immediate presence of Jesus. So when when he says, I go to prepare a place for you, he's saying, I go this night through death for you. And resurrection Sunday morning, I go out of death for you so that I myself might be your living dwelling place. I am your room in my father's house and I am not yet prepared to receive you there. I must die. I must rise. I must be glorified. I will stand. Amen. I will stand in the gap for you. And when I've done that, I will be ready. I will come and take you to myself. I will come and take you to myself. This seems like what will happen when I die or at his second coming. But what about now? You might be asking. And probably they did the same thing. In the immediate, doesn't this have a present day truth? Because that's what's causing fear. That's what's causing anxiety. That's what's causing this worry. My soul is in turmoil with what's going on in this pandemic, Lord. I don't know what's best for my children. I'm having to homeschool them now. They're all at home with me. <laughs> I'm pulling my hair, as you can see. My marriage is, un- is, is unstable. My, my health is failing. I'm out of a job as my company has closed down and no one's hiring in my field. I'm really lonely with this isolation. And going, going out only for essential things, I'm going out of my mind. If Jesus doesn't want my heart troubled now, is there some encouragement for faith closer than the second coming or death? Do I need to die in order to be encouraged? Do I need to wait for his second coming in order to be encouraged? And here is where the passage now takes a turn, friends. This is, this is my final point. This is, the good, this is the good news here. In verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Not show us the Father someday, but now. We want to see the Father now. And if we do, that will be enough. That will be sufficient. It's the same word that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, where he says, My grace is sufficient for you. Show us the Father now, and that will satisfy our troubled hearts. 
Is God near now? Show us. So in this final point here, the Father is with you right now. He is with you right now. So the emphasis from verses 7 right through 11 here, there are six times that he begin, that Jesus almost says the same thing. In verse 7, 8, it says that, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Verse 7b, he says, From now on, do know him and... Uh, sorry, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Verse 9, in response to Philip's request to see the Father, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Verse 9b, it says this, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? In verse 10, it says this, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And in verse 11, it says this, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Therefore, Philip, is it enough? Friends, is it enough? And so in verse 8, you said this, Philip, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. I have showed you. Here is he, he is here. As close to you as I am, is it enough? Is it enough for you? But maybe his response, like many of us, to Jesus would have been, but you went away. You were there, but then you went away. And now you're gone. And so the father is also gone. So how then could Jesus bring a settling within the hearts? How can he make let your hearts be troubled, let your hearts not be troubled an airtight promise? How can he make that? Now I want to conclude with this reminder to all of us as he reminded Joshua be strong and of good courage I am with you until the end of the age I am always with you my presence will go with you so as I as I, as I con conclude this morning I want to conclude with this I will be with you always not just at my return so how can that be? He has left. He is in heaven with the Father interceding for us at God's right hand. But if we go down to verses 16 through 18, it tells us how. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and you will be and, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you. I will come to you. Now, this is why Paul talks the way that he does about the Holy Spirit and the, and, and the, and the Spirit of Christ, you know. And, and Christ himself, in fact, in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 10, he says this, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone 
who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is, is, is life because of righteousness. That spirit of God dwells in you. That is the spirit of Christ. That is Christ himself. Right? That is not the second coming, uh, folks. It's not. As glorious as that will be, this is now. Right now. Right? He has gone away physically precisely so that he can come, he can be near to all of his own, not just the 11. He has not left you as orphans. He has come to you and I. Right? He is right now more interested in and more caring about your parenting. Right, your homeschooling situation, your marriage, the fact that you may have lost a job, uh, you, you may be having certain financial difficulty. He's more interested in that. He's more interested in you being, you feeling, feeling the sense of lon- this loneliness or, or, or your depression or your anxiety that you're for, that you're failing health, right? Your current failing health. Then you and I can even imagine, right? He has sent to us the Paraclete, our Comforter, our Helper, to come alongside. Now, I'd like for you to respond this morning, right? The team's going to be coming up uh, in a minute. And, and, and this is what I want you to do. I, I want us to respond in worship today, right? Let's allow His Spirit to break out wherever you are. Let it just break out. Let His, you know, His presence wants to invade your space with deep assurance this morning, right now. He wants to do this right now with you and I. Believe me, folks, He wants to break every fear, every sense of intimidation, every sense of worry, every sense of anxiety. He wants to replace that with the sense of the knowledge of the Holy Spirit that is with you and in, and, and, and in you. Amen.